This is going to be interesting. Here we go. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Building the Same with Tara and Haley. I'm Tara and Haley's not here. I am flying solo for the first time on pod today because our sweet Haley girl, after over three years of somehow dodging it, finally got hit with the COVID stick. Um, so she is on the mend and resting up. Y'all, when I tell you, you all know that it's mine and Haley's job to listen to each other's voices, right? We're always, you know, in communication with each other, talking about episodes, planning episodes, listening back to episodes. And when I tell you that she sent me a voice memo the other day and I did not recognize her voice on the other end of the phone, I am not exaggerating. (laughs) So hopefully by the time this airs, she'll be, you know, really on the mend and we'll be back to recording episodes together. But... You know, a couple months ago, we were kind of talking about our upcoming schedules. And interestingly, this month, Haley and I were both going out of town. I was going to Chicago. And a couple days after I got back, she was going to Italy. So um, we knew that we wouldn't be able to spend a lot of time together this month recording and backlogged a lot of episodes. But we kind of started talking about a contingency plan. Should one of us, you know, not be able to record? One of us gets sick. We're out of town. Something happens. Something comes up. There are so many circumstances out of our hands. Um, And normally under those circumstances, we would take a hiatus week, but we started coming up with, you know, kind of uh, an emergency contingency plan so that we didn't have to skip an episode during the week because we know how much you guys look forward to these episodes. So the solution that we came up with would be to do an AMA and ask me anything where one of us would just be on pod by ourselves and open up the floor for questions. And that's exactly what we're doing today. So it's just going to be me on pod, which if you're not into, that's totally Totally cool. You can join us next week. Haley and I are going to be doing an Independence In episode for Independence Day. So we'll see you next week. But if you'd like to stick around, I put up a question box on Instagram, an AMA, which was, you know, ask me anything about me, my life, my career, any specific questions you have for me regarding Gilmore Girls. And I got some really fun questions to share with you all. So let's get into it. So I'm going to start with career and then life and then move into Gilmore Girls. Um, So if you want to fast forward to the Gilmore Girls part, it'll be in the latter half of this episode. A lot of you asked questions about my life in New York and my career in theater and a bunch of different questions surrounding that. But the first question that I want to share, which I think is a really good way to kick this off, is what's the elevator pitch for your dream life? Which I love. That introduces us to a whole slew of things. I would say that the elevator pitch for my dream life is very general and has ebbed and flowed over time, but as a whole has remained pretty much this framework, which is to live a fulfilling and sustainable life doing what I love and loving what I do. And for me, when I decided to move to New York, a lot of that was centered around and still is centered around creating an art. And if I could find a way to make a living doing those things, I considered that success. Now, of course, the actual nitty gritty and nooks and crannies of what success is, that has completely ebbed and flowed since I moved to the city 10 years ago. And we'll totally get into that. But I just loved this first question because it sets up a lot of what you guys asked and what I'm going to share with you on today's episode. So a very common question that was asked in this AMA was, where did you go to college? What did you go to school for? And did it transition smoothly to your career? So you guys know that I grew up in Connecticut. I've talked about that a lot on pod. I also went to college in Connecticut. I went to a state school, Western Connecticut State University. And I studied theater. What was cool is that um, 
Western Connecticut State's theater program has really, really flourished. And I was a part of their theater program while that was all being built. Now they have like a BFA musical theater program with a multi-million dollar performing arts center. I was literally there while that was all being built, the program and the building. So it was very cool to be a part of that as it started to grow into what it is currently. And what I loved most about the program was that even though I was a performer and I was performing, It was also required of all theater students to participate in some sort of technical production aspect to get the show up and running. So that was like box office, carpentry, etc. I tried a bunch of different things. I tried props. I tried costumes. I absolutely hated it. I did costumes for an Anton Chekhov play called The Three Sisters the spring of my sophomore year and I vowed to never do costumes ever again. I hated it. (laughs) And so shortly after that, I was in a scenic painting class and I fell in love with scenic painting. It was basically a class that taught you how to take a blank slate and turn it into something completely different than what it was. Faux brick, faux marble, faux wood grain. I loved it. And so I started painting a lot of the sets, even for shows that I was performing in. I absolutely loved it. But my degree was in performance. I love musical theater. I love performing. I love to sing. I love to act. Some of my favorite shows that I did while I was there, I did a an Irving Berlin musical review called I Love a Piano. And it's funny, in the season two finale at Suki's wedding, um, there's a moment where Babette and Patty are singing this double duet. Well, it was called the double duet in I Love a Piano, this Irving Berlin musical review. And it was the, you don't need analyzing and it's not so surprising. And I remember hearing that the first day of rehearsal and being like, oh my God, this is the song that Patty and Babette sing with each other at Suki's wedding. And there was no one to nerd out about it with me, but I know you guys will really appreciate it. I loved that so much. I loved the music. We had such a great time. We actually went on to bring the show to New York for a few days to perform off-Broadway, which was an amazing experience and just solidified that I wanted to live in New York. I wanted to live in New York from a very young age. I knew that I wanted to be here and I grew up so close. We were here all the time. So I graduated in 2013. I had a really amazing opportunity with my university to go to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in Edinburgh, Scotland and perform there in August of 2013. So because I was doing that, I actually ended up taking a semester or what a semester would be. I was no longer in school. Uh, The rest of the year, I basically took to save money and gear myself up to move to New York in January of 2014. So that's what I did. And I'm coming up on my 10-year anniversary, which is really exciting because they say that you are not really a full-blown New Yorker until you live here for 10 years. Once you pass your 10-year mark, I guess they like throw you a party or a parade or give you a button. I don't know. I don't know what they do, but I'm so excited to find out. So speaking to the question, did it transition smoothly to your career? When I moved to New York, like many actors, I got a job as a server and it was terrible. (laughs) It wasn't horrible. It just wasn't what I wanted to be doing. And you know, you move here with a certain expectation, stars in your eyes. You're so excited for somebody to just like pluck you out of a crowd and make you a star. And obviously that's not the way that it goes. It is for some people, I'm sure. But I found that I wasn't auditioning a lot because I was just trying to find my footing and I was trying to survive. And this restaurant was fine. It was a it's a pub called Stout. I think it still exists. It actually has more locations now than it once did. It's near Madison Square Garden. So everybody came in smelling like basketball and Billy Joel. And the uniforms were just terrible. And I was miserable. I was living with a few of my friends from college. They were my roommates. And we were out one night with some other friends of ours from college. And um, there was this girl there. Her name is Nicole. And she had graduated a couple years before me. And she was working in the industry. She was actually working at Sleep No More at the time. 
And the thing is, is that I was sitting in this bar and we were all chatting and Nicole and I were friends, but we weren't like close. And so when I heard that she had been working in the industry, there was something that came over me that was like, I should ask her if she knows of any scenic painting jobs. You know, I knew that I could do that if I could find a job painting sets, even part time, that would make me feel at least somewhat creatively fulfilled while I, you know, try my hand at auditioning and finding this balance of working and going after this dream of mine to perform on Broadway, which was why I moved to New York. And so I debated with myself because I felt like it was going to be such an overstep of a boundary to ask her if she knew of any jobs in the city. I am here to tell you that if you are having that moment with yourself, ask the question. If I had not asked Nicole this question in that bar this one random night in 2014, my life would be completely different. It changed the trajectory of my life by asking this one question. So I asked Nicole, like, hey, do you know if Sleep No More needs people to paint sets? And she said, no, but I just got offered this costuming job. I don't know if you'd be interested in that. And if you remember, I absolutely hated costumes, but I hated serving more. So I said, yeah, that's great. I love costumes. Sign me up. So she put me in touch with this guy named Joe who was her friend, and he was the production supervisor, I believe, was his title on the show. Now, I'm thinking it's this, like, hole-in-the-wall theater in the East Village and that I could, like, keep my serving job a couple days a week and also do this show. No, no. I walk into New World Stages, which is, like, the most commercial off-Broadway theater in New York City, clutching a resume that's just dripping in lies. And it was for... Heather's the Musical, which is so fun. If you've never heard the soundtrack and you're into musicals, I highly suggest it. I highly suggest the original off-Broadway cast album. Anyway, I had no idea what I was signing up for. I walk in. This is a full-blown off-Broadway production, and they're looking for a dresser. Now, a dresser is a person who comes in and does quick changes and helps maintain the clothes, you know, puts out people's laundry, basically makes sure that everybody's dressed and has the right pieces that they need to go on stage. The person that I interviewed with, her name was Kasha. She was the wardrobe supervisor. And the wardrobe supervisor basically oversees all of that. They're in charge of all the costumes and maintaining them and also making sure the dressers know what they're doing. Kasha seemed really cool. She and I vibed. She hired me, which I was shocked by. And I got this job. It was wild. This all happened within a matter of weeks of me asking Nicole in this bar. And I just moved to New York. It was wild. So that's how I got my first costuming job. However, the real plot twist here is that maybe like a week into tech, Kasha got fired. And the costume design team, who I really liked a lot, I still do, we're still pals. They were like, don't worry, we're going to get someone in here. He is like a Broadway supervisor. He knows what he's doing. And I was like, fuck, (laughs) because I do not know what I'm doing. Um, So they hire this guy named John, who was a Broadway supervisor. He was very, very nice. He saw right through my bullshit. He knew I had no idea what I was doing, but he also knew that I had a willingness to learn and that I got along with my coworkers. I think that when you create a really nice environment and you are a team player and you have a willingness to learn, it almost doesn't matter if you don't know what you're doing because you can learn along the way, right? And I say that with you know, a lot of caveats to it. It's not like you can just become a doctor. You know what I mean? But in this instance with dressing, I knew how to hand sew. I knew how to get along with people and I had a willingness to learn. And John took that and he really taught me a lot of what I needed to know to be the foundation of being a good dresser. 
So we did that show for a few months. And after that, I ended up going on to do wardrobe supervising for very small off-Broadway shows. And honestly, all of these jobs I got were purely word of mouth, purely recommendations from people who had worked with me. And they were like, yeah, hire Tara. And I was like, what is going on? So a couple years later, I hadn't seen John or talked to him since we closed Heather's. And I was super unemployed. I couldn't find a job. And he just reached out to me out of the clear blue on Facebook. And he was like, hey, what are you doing? I said, absolutely nothing. And he said, great. Do you want to work on the Broadway revival of Cats? And I said, hell yes. And that is how I got my first Broadway show. Now, the thing is, I still wanted to be an actor. So I loved that I had found a job where I still had a hand in the industry but I was able to audition during the day. And the night that I found out that I had gotten the job at Heather's, we went back to that same bar that I was at where I asked Nicole in the bar, hey, do you know of any jobs? We went back to that same bar, me and my roommates, we were there to celebrate. And as we were sitting there, I got an email that I had just been cast in this industry reading workshop of a new musical with a ton of Broadway actors. And that set the tone for the trajectory of my life here. I you know, spent the last basically 10 years balancing working on Broadway, doing costumes and auditioning, performing, etc. So that brings me to the next question, which was how did you get into the theater business and what's been your favorite show to work on? That is how I got into the theater business. It was genuinely asking someone who I knew was in the industry if they knew of any jobs. And as far as what my favorite show has been to work on, my favorite show, bar none without a shadow of a doubt to work on, was Pretty Woman the Musical on Broadway. We opened in summer of 2018 and closed a year later, summer of 2019. It was the best group of people. We loved each other. I grew so much as a person on that show. We had so much fun. We did everything together. A lot of us are still friends. We were a family and it was really, really great. Those are like some of my best memories to date. 2018 and 2019 were like, two of the best years of my life. And I owe a lot of that to the show. Another thing that you guys asked a lot about was Brett. Um, And I'm not going to get into too many specific details because I love your curiosity. But of course, there are just some things that are meant to remain private. But I thought you guys would actually really enjoy this portion of the story because a lot of you asked how Brett and I met. So I was working on Pretty Woman. I was dressing um, a portion of the female ensemble. And one of those actresses, her name is Ellen Marie Marsh. Some of you actually may have heard of her. She is a true crime podcaster. This was before she was in true crime and before I was a podcaster as well. We became very close friends. And so one day in like early 2019, she was like, hey, I am thinking of starting a trivia league with my friend. As people who work on Broadway, we do not have the opportunity to go to trivia at like 7 p.m. on a Tuesday, like most people who have a nine to five, right? So it was general knowledge trivia before the Broadway community. And it started at like 10, 15 p.m. on a Tuesday so that people could come out after their shows. It was incredible. I didn't go for the first couple weeks because, you know, I was just like, yeah, I'll get there when I get there. And she was like, I really need you to come and support me. So I show up one night and the guy hosting it is her friend, Brett, who she started this trivia league with. And I do remember seeing him and being like, who is that man? Um, But at the time, he was actually dating somebody else, a girl that I knew. And I was like, oh, cool. Great. Good for them. So anyway, we became like peripheral friends because Ellen and I were so close. I started going to trivia every week because it was so fun. I mean, hundreds of people would show up to this thing. It was the best. Those nights hold some of my favorite memories. 
And that is how I met Brett was by doing Pretty Woman and becoming close with one of the people there. And she knew Brett and they started this thing. And then, you know, after the pandemic, we both moved to the same neighborhood and we ended up becoming close friends because we kept running into each other. And then the rest is history, as they say. So that is how Brett and I met and um, kind of coincides with my favorite Broadway show that I've ever worked on. The next question is, what is life in New York like? How do you survive New York City? Barely. Um, <laughs> living in New York is hard. If you are an artist living in New York, it is one of the most expensive cities in the world and it can be a struggle. Peaks and valleys. But I cannot imagine myself living anywhere else. Like I said, I'm about to be here for 10 years. The only time I wasn't here for a significant amount of time was when I moved home to be with my family during the pandemic. And that was purely for safety. It was lovely. It was nice to kind of get in my car and get groceries and not have to like walk home with them. But I missed it. I missed being here a lot. I love it. And that leads me really nicely into the next question, which is, what is your job besides the podcast? Whew. Okay, so I have three jobs. So I have the podcast. I also still work on Broadway doing costumes. But for years and years, I was a wardrobe supervisor off-Broadway. And then I, when I started working on Broadway, I was a dresser. And I worked for Cats. Then I did Pretty Woman. I worked at Moulin Rouge for a bit. And in early 2020, I started working full-time as a dresser for Mrs. Doubtfire, and I had told myself it was going to be my last dressing contract. Then, of course, the world shut down. We reopened in October of 2021, closed in January of 2022 for a hiatus, reopened in April of 2022, and closed at the end of May of 2022. It was a ride, but... I told myself I didn't want to dress anymore. I didn't want that to be my full-time job. I really wanted to start stepping into the other artistic endeavors that I had. I felt like I had done it for long enough, but there is a level of security that comes with it. I'm in a union. I get health benefits and a 401k and pension and, and adult things working in wardrobe. So it's hard to completely release that. So what I do now and I explained this a little bit when we had our episode with Valerie. I do day work. So I go in and maintain the costumes during the day. I prep them, iron, steam, mend, etc. I'll do laundry for some shows. It's great. I still make the same hourly wage that I would as a dresser. And that is the second job that I have. My third job is I work for a nonprofit. So in early 2018, I decided that auditioning was something I didn't want to do anymore. I loved performing. I loved being on stage. But auditioning was starting to really, really wear me out. The piece of it that wore me out was that I felt like I was just a revolving door going into room after room after room. And that's your job as an actor. And in the same breath, I also wanted to pivot into television and on-camera acting, but I didn't know how. So I started writing for myself. And I ended up writing a television pilot and independently producing it at the end of 2019, right before the pandemic. So that kind of went hand in hand with wanting Doubtfire to be my last wardrobe contract was because I wanted to see this through because I loved it. I absolutely loved producing Under the Influence and it really resonated with me. This is what I want to do. I want to write and produce television and episodic content. So we weren't actually able to put Under the Influence through the festival circuit until 2021. And in the fall of 2021, I attended this festival called Catalyst Content Festival out in Duluth, Minnesota. It was an independent television festival. Independent television festivals 
don't really exist. Independent film festivals with a television category, yes. But Catalyst is actually meant for episodic content. I had such a great time. I made so many connections and so many strides towards building this new sector of a creative career for myself. And so when Doubtfire decided to go on hiatus at the beginning of 2022, a few months after the festival, I reached out to Catalyst and I said, hey, if you guys have a job, I would love to be a part of whatever this is. So in February of that year, I started working for them. I was their like general coordinator. I was kind of like an administrative assistant. Then I became their social media coordinator and I ran a portion of their festival. And now I am their event coordinator and I will be running more portions of the festival later this year. So that is the third job that I have. The other thing is that while I was at Catalyst, it's a long story, but I ended up getting an opportunity to audition for this feature film that's being shot in Minnesota. Um, So acting is still something that I'm definitely not not pursuing. Um, It's kind of, you know, if things happen to fall into place or if I see a project that I really like that I want to be a part of. And of course, things that I am writing and developing, if I can find room for myself in there to act, I was in Under the Influence, my pilot. That is definitely still something that I'm pursuing and doing this feature film will be a job, which goes back to the elevator pitch for my dream life, which is to live a fulfilling and sustainable life, doing what I love and loving what I do. And for me, that has ebbed and flowed over the last few years, like I mentioned earlier, because when I moved to New York, when I was 22, it was be on Broadway, perform on Broadway. That's the only measurement of success. Now, especially because I started working on Broadway in a very different capacity and I kind of saw the other side of it and I realized that it's a job, it's a dream but it's a job. I started allowing myself to create space for more dreams. And I think had I not done that, I wouldn't have realized that I wanted to write and produce television and act on camera, something I said I never wanted to do. Um, So now I have a bunch of little goals and little dreams and much different measurements of success that all kind of fall under this umbrella of earning a living, creating, or being a part of something creative, which is what I get to do every day, which is very fulfilling in and of itself. The most immediate goal right now, especially because I've gotten into producing episodic content on a different level, on an audio medium through podcasting, is... I would love to own my own production company that produces both video episodic content in the form of television and audio episodic content in the form of podcasting. So that is something that I'm currently working on right now, which I'm very excited about. And so that's the career aspect of who I am and what I've done and um, everything that's kind of transpired over the last 10 years. As far as some fun life questions, the first one is, what are your other comfort shows? So I have a big four. Gilmore Girls, of course. Friends, The Office, and Sex in the City. Because the thing is, is that my life is kind of a blend of Gilmore Girls and Sex in the City. I love romanticizing my life in New York. And a lot of that comes from Sex in the City. I grew up on Gilmore Girls. I started watching Sex in the City in college. And I was like, oh my god, I absolutely need to be living in New York. So... Yeah, they kind of go hand in hand. I mean, I know Gilmore Girls like the back of my hand. I also know Sex in the City very well. And you guys are kind of the first people to hear about this. I am in the process of developing my next podcast, which is about Sex in the City. It's a deep dive. I will get into it another time. But just to tease that a little bit, because I'm very excited about it, that is what my next podcast is going to be. So more details on that soon. Um, But I love that show. I love Friends. I mean comfort food. I watched that in high school. I got into the office probably a few years ago. 
Um, but God, is it good. I know it's like very popular. It's not like a unique personality trait to like probably any of these shows, but those are my big four. As far as my other comfort shows, um, I love The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, of course. And a lot of you asked about the episode I was on, which I'll talk about a little later. Um, Desperate Housewives, Allie McBeal. I love Allie McBeal. Golden Girls, Gossip Girl. Ugh, those are those are some of my favorite comfort shows. Love them. Someone asked about my favorite comfort movies. Um, I love When Harry Met Sally. That's my comfort film. It just like if I if I don't know what to watch, I, I put it on. It always makes me feel like I'm being wrapped up in a hug. It's the movie equivalent to Gilmore Girls, without a shadow of a doubt for me. Okay, so the next question is best slash worst date you've ever been on. Oh, I love this question so much. I will also caveat this by saying I'm not really like a dater. I tend to meet people, develop friendship, and then fall into a relationship with them. So I have never really been like a dater in New York City. But I've been on some wonderful and not so wonderful dates. So I'll start with the best. Um, It was August of 2018. I was working at Pretty Woman. I had just left a show, an off-Broadway show that I was supervising that I loved. I loved all the people there. That was probably second to Pretty Woman. It was a musical called Desperate Measures. And there was a guy who was working on the show who I didn't really interact with while I was there. But as soon as I left to go to Pretty Woman, he was like, hey, I'd love to take you out sometime. And I was like, whoa, this is weird. So I was in tech. I kind of was like, I kind of like dodged it a little bit because I was like, I don't know this guy. Finally, I was like, okay, I'm just going to give it a chance. And I ended up going out with this guy. I had two of my friends waiting at the bar next door just in case it was going really bad so that they could come in and be like, oh my God, hey, what's up? And, you know, do some damage control in case the date just wasn't going well. Didn't end up needing it, but did end up meeting up with them. And the four of us had a great time, but this was not the ultimate date. So I start dating this guy. I really liked him. He was a really great guy, really nice. And one night he picks me up from Pretty Woman. So it's like 11 o'clock at night. He tells me we're going to three places tonight. They're all a surprise. And I was like, okay. So the first place he takes me to is Momofuku Noodle Bar. It was so good. Mystery place number two that he takes me to, we show up and it's like a hot dog storefront. And I was like, okay. But then he went into a payphone booth and it was a speakeasy behind this hot dog place. Somehow we magically get in because we were super nice and super chill about it. Everybody was like huffing and puffing because they didn't have any seats. They let us in. We had the best cocktails. This place was so stinking cute. And we just kind of talked about life. Like we, you know, outpoured a lot of stories to each other. You know how you do on dates when you're like really getting to know each other. And then once we were done with that, he took me to the third place, which was this like, it was supposed to be this like beautiful rooftop bar and there was a huge line and it was like two o'clock in the morning. And so we waited for a little bit and it was just so packed. And I was like, listen, I'm good to just go home. This has been amazing. Let's just go home. And so we did. And it just was so nice. It was the first time that someone had like really surprised me with something really, really special and well thought out. And it was just like a little adventure. And we had so much fun. We didn't end up working out. He had just gotten out of a very serious relationship. I was still healing from a very intense heartbreak that I had gone through, you know, within the year prior. And so I was very sad that we didn't work out. But that date will always live in infamy. He did a really good job.
Rakuten is the most rewarding way to shop and save because members earn cash back on everything that they buy. Rakuten is a shopping platform that partners with over 3,500 stores across every category, including beauty, clothing, electronics, home, department stores, pets, and more. And as you all know, I love shopping through the Rakuten app. Every time I shop online, I always start there to see what the cashback deals are. It's incredibly user-friendly, membership is free, and it's easy to sign up. The best part is you can maximize your savings by stacking cashback on top of other deals because the app lets you know what the store sales and coupons are at your favorite places to shop. Speaking of favorite places to shop, I love shopping Anthropology's post-holiday sale where they put their clearance on clearance. This year, not only did I get savings on top of savings, but I also got cash back by shopping their sale through Rakuten. Cashback rates are changing daily, so make sure that you check their site or your app to snag the best deals. Start all of your shopping at Rakuten.com or get the Rakuten app like me to start your saving today. Your cashback really adds up. I don't know what it is, but cowboy boots are magic. Since they've arrived, I've worn my Tecovis boots almost every day. I have the Annie in Midnight. I know you have the Annie in Bone. I do. But they make me feel so powerful because, of course, it is my dream to be a cowgirl. Yes, I know this about you, but I also know <laughs> you've told me that you wear them while you write your book. I do. I wear them all the time because I also wear them when I get dressed up or when I'm sitting at my dress recording the podcast because they make me feel so bold and brave and like I can do anything no matter how I style them. Tecovis has carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality that you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service with boots for men and women handmade from the most premium leathers. And if you dream of being cowgirls like us or you're already Western to your core, Tecovis is the perfect brand to start with because they believe in Western for all. They don't only offer their handmade boots, but all sorts of head-to-toe Western staples. Perfect jeans to go with your boots, pearl snaps, bandanas, and cowboy hats. You name it and they'll get you outfitted. And if you can't make it into a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. So visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And as a special opportunity for our listeners, Tecovis has said that they will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on tecovis.com. Just use the code Gilmore at checkout. That's G-I-L-M-O-R-E. It's about a $30 value and they sell fast, so they're always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter code Gilmore at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tecovis. Only at tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. Haley, I feel like most of our followers already know that we don't really drink alcohol, but we do love a fun beverage. Oh, we do. Both of us think a fun beverage and a chill night is the epitome of a good time, especially when that drink is a recess mood, which is a delicious sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like mood lifting magnesium and stress balancing adaptogens. So you can relax without the alcohol. I drink mine every night while reading, of course. Tara, tell everyone how you enjoy yours. Honestly, I usually drink mine while we're recording the podcast. <laughs> it's my favorite way to enjoy a recess. And all of our besties can get 15% off the Recess Mood Sampler Pack at takearecess.com slash GTS. Recess Mood is made with real fruit and comes in four delicious flavors like strawberry rose and raspberry lemon. But my personal favorite is the grapefruit tangerine. And with only 20 calories and no added sugar, it's the perfect way to chill. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash GTS and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement.
Okay, so as far as worst date, the thing is, is that I'm not really a dater, like I said. So any of my like, quote unquote, bad dates came from people I was dating. Um, there was this person that I dated a couple of years ago where I definitely stayed well past the expiration date. So the thing is, is that I feel like if I share any of that, it's less that it was bad. It was more that it was like kind of cringy because this person I was dating gave me the ick. <laughs> Like I said, stayed way past the expiration date and I need to give a lot of context for why it would be cringy. So I'm not going to do that. But to supplement it, I will share with you guys my first date with Brett because you guys asked a lot about Brett and when we kind of knew that we were more than friends. When we were spending a lot of time together, we knew pretty immediately that there was more than a friendship there. But at the time, it just wasn't it wasn't the right time. Brett had just gotten out of a serious relationship and um, you know, we were coming back from the pandemic. Emotions were all over the place for a lot of people. So um, we were trying really hard to just be friends. But the night that we went on our first date that we didn't know was our first date, we had been spending a lot of time together a couple summers ago. And then like both kind of started working a lot. So we hadn't seen each other in a while. And we saw each other out one night. and We were like, oh, my God, we have to get together. Let's totally hang out. And um, he had been telling me about this restaurant that has really good spinach and artichoke dip. I'm a huge spin dip girl. Like my bar is very high for good quality spinach and artichoke dip. And he knew this. So he was like, I have to take you to this place. So we decide that we're going to go to this place, but it's kind of upscale. So we should get dressed up. So we decide that we're going to go to this like nice restaurant and get dinner and drinks, just the two of us and get dressed up. So we meet, we have dinner, we have really deep conversation. We got way too drunk, too fast. I am like four martinis deep and we're like, yeah, let's go somewhere else. Now we're talking about a secondary location. So we kind of stumble into this bar that was around the corner. It was a rooftop bar and we <laughs> end up going in. We had no business being there. I don't even think we made it to the rooftop itself. We went and got a drink and then sat in this like really big cushy circle chair. We kept calling it the calamari because it was like kind of shaped like a calamari. And so <laughs> we're just like drunk as skunks. And this photographer comes over to us and is like, hey, do you guys want me to take your picture? And we were like, yeah. And so we have this photo of us that we had to pay $25 for. I bought it, but gave it to him. <laughs> we looked great. No one would have been the wiser. It was a stunning photo of us. And um, Brett actually kept it. He put it in a copy of The Odyssey, which is his favorite book. Um, but he has several copies of it. We have never been able to find this picture. And it just cracks us up because now that we're actually together and dating, we're like, yeah, that was totally a date. Why did we think that we were being like slick with each other? We were getting dressed up and going to a really nice restaurant, having dinner and drinks, just the two of us and having really deep conversations, which you can do with friends, but not when you're attracted to those friends. It's pretty much a date. So, um, yeah, we've never been able to find that photo. And we also have no idea what that bar was that we went into. Both of us do not remember. So that night just kind of lives as a snapshot in our mind. We did end up going back to that restaurant, though, um, because he had been there several times. We knew exactly where that was. Um, maybe about a year ago we went. And we were just like laughing because we were like, remember when we came here on the date that wasn't a date, but it was totally a date. <laughs> so that was... My first date with Brett, which is definitely not my worst date. Complete opposite, actually. 
The next question is hilarious because Haley's not here and this is so off-brand for me, but favorite Taylor Swift album and song. I really, really love folklore. I think it's probably my favorite. I turn it on at least once a month and just let it kind of ride. Um, My favorite song off of that album is August. During the pandemic, though a terrible and very complicated time, I actually really loved my time at home with my family. And when folklore came out, I was in the midst of starting a thrifting business with my best friend, Danielle. We basically would go and thrift clothes. And a lot of people were cleaning out their closets at the time. So we found some incredible pieces and we started reselling them online. And we built this thrifting business. So I just remember listening to this for the first time in my grandma's spare bedroom upstairs packing up clothes and it just takes me back to that period in such a nostalgic way because even though things were super complicated within the world and everything was shut down there was such simplicity being at home with my grandma and my family and my mom and like all I had to do during the day was sell clothes and spend time with my family play board games with my grandma watch tv it was very simple again that is not to be insensitive to the absolute chaos and tragedy that was happening outside of us but for that period of time in my life when folklore came out things felt very simple that is probably my favorite taylor swift album and song speaking of Haley, what i usually talk about with Haley is of course gilmore girls so let's get into the gilmore girl questions because these were also very fun so i'm gonna go in order of how these were submitted If you could write yourself as a best friend character on Gilmore Girls, whose best friend would you be? Suki's. I would want Suki as a best friend in a heartbeat. I love her. My instinct was to say Lorelai, but I just feel like Lorelai and I are too similar because my entire personality was built on the foundation of Lorelai Gilmore that I just feel like, mm, I don't know if that would be the best combo. You know what I mean? Which leads me to what character do you relate to the most from Gilmore Girls. Lorelai, personality-wise, we don't have the same background. We definitely don't have the same circumstances, but I would say Lorelai. What if Lorelai didn't sleep with Christopher after breaking up with Luke? Does she elope? I mean, the thing is, is that I don't know that Lorelai and Christopher would have gotten married, but I don't necessarily think it was a bad move for Lorelai and Chris to explore their relationship after what happened with him at the end of season six amy wrote that so i don't know what other direction she would have taken it in besides lorelei and christopher exploring this i think that they needed to see it through to see it didn't work i think i've always said that on here i don't think that they would have gotten married and if they did under amy's watch rory would have been there i do think that she and luke would have found their way back to each other but like the fact that she does get together with christopher that was kind of inevitable given where they took it, I think. I don't know. What do you guys think? I'm curious. If you could be a background character on Gilmore Girls, who would you be a background character? Meaning like a townie? Bootsy. (laughs) Actually, no, Babette. I would love to be Babette. That woman has her butt in a buttercup. She's married to Maury, who's like the sweetest man alive. He plays the piano for her. He plays her home. Babette. Okay, how did you first find out about Gilmore Girls? I first watched Gilmore Girls on ABC Family at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I fell in love. I was hooked. I was like, what is this? What is this magical show? I wish that baby Tara could like come out of the crevices of my mind and tell me what episode was the first episode of Gilmore Girls I ever saw. Because I don't believe I watched it from the beginning. I think it was just on one day 
on ABC Family and I was like, yeah, that show, that show rules. What if Emily had died instead of Richard? How would that have affected R and L? I don't know if that's Richard and Lorelai or Rory and Lorelai. That's also a question I want to answer with Haley, like a little fan fiction. Which speaking of, I really want to do a fan fiction writer's room on here. I've been talking about it with Haley. I really want to do it once the writer's strike is over because I think that would be really tasteless. But like, ooh, I would love to do a fan fiction writer's room where we just have a segment on the pod that is fan fiction. That'd be so much fun. Which character would be the most fun for you to act? I mean, Lorelai, 1000%. But also, I think I do a mean Tom the Contractor. I also think I do a mean Bootsy. Oh, but you know what? Paris. Oh, Paris would be so fun. If you could go on a date with Jess, what would your perfect date look like? Ooh. I mean, we would definitely have to go to a concert. I would want him to buy the tickets, not the night of, and surprise me with them at a hockey game that I didn't even want to go to because he didn't call. Hmm. I think it would be walking around a record store in New York, then going to the park. My favorite park is Central Park. I know he likes Washington Square. Washington Square is great. And then go to a concert. And then maybe go to like, I don't know if Jess would be into jazz music, but I would love to go to like a jazz club after like a really loud rock concert. I don't know. There's something very fun about that to me. It would be like a hybrid of Jess and Rory's experience in New York and an episode of Sex and the City. (laughs) What was your least favorite episode in the first season? Oh my God, Paris is burning. I hate that episode. It just feels very pointless. There are some good moments in it, but the dialogue is really wonky. I talk about this in, I think, There's the Rub on season one, our episode where we like kind of rehash everything we did on Patreon. Brett and I watched that episode and we were like, what the fuck was that? It was not a good episode. So that takes the cake for least favorite episode in the first season. If you could only pick one Gilmore Girl actor to interview, who would it be? Lauren Graham. I would be scared because it's like, don't meet your heroes, but like, I, Lauren Graham. This, this is unbelievable. Fuck, Mary kill. Richard Kirk, that one Chilton dad from the pilot. <laughs> oh my God, this is gold. Ooh, this is tough. We don't know enough about the one Chilton dad from the pilot. He was actually in episode two, uh, the Lorelai's first day at Chilton. His name was Ian Jack. Oh man, I don't know. Okay. The thing is, is that like, I don't always agree with Richard and I think he can be really snobby sometimes, but I don't know anything about this Chilton dad. Obviously I'm killing Kirk. (laughs) Maybe that wasn't obvious, but mm, I think I'm okay. Okay. I'm going to say fuck the Chilton dad because I don't know anything about him. And I'm going to say marry Richard, but I would like to marry him, you know, when he's my age. Like I'm not marrying Richard when we meet him in the pilot. You know what I mean? Man, that was hard. Have you ever met any of the cast? No, but okay, I recorded this in two parts. So a couple nights ago, I recorded the first part of this. And as I was recording this, my best friend, Sarah, she works at Moulin Rouge. We used to work there together. Melissa McCarthy came to see the show with her husband. And the two of them came backstage and she got a picture with Melissa McCarthy and said she was the nicest person. I love that so much. So I have not, but now I feel six degrees of separation from Melissa McCarthy. But no, cast-wise, I have never met anyone from the cast. Oh, wait, I take that back. So (laughs) I get my job at Heather's, right? Taking it all the way back to the beginning of this episode. I get my job at Heather's and um, I'm at the opening night party and I see the actress 
who plays Francie at the party. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Emily Burgle, I think. I just go up to her and I was like, hi, I'm so sorry. I just wanted to let you know, I really, really admire you as an actress. You're in one of my favorite TV shows. She's also in Desperate Housewives. So I was like, I just think you're great. I grew up on Gilmore Girls, Desperate Housewives. And she was like, oh, thanks so much. And then she points to the man she's with and she's like, this is so-and-so. He wrote Heathers. <laughs> I was like, hey, what's up? Anyway, you. <laughs> so um, that was my experience meeting the woman who plays Francie. So I have met someone from the cast. I forgot about that. What is the worst character development in Gilmore Girls, in your opinion? Lane Kim. I really wish that they had done something more with her. And Haley and I have talked about this, her relationship with Sophie, everything that happened with Zach. It just, no, I really wish that they had done more with her. They had so much opportunity there. I'm still debating on whether or not I'm on Team Jess or Team Logan. Please help me. Okay. This is an age-old debate because a lot of people, and Haley and I have talked about this on pod, is it that you're on the team of the person you want with Rory or is it that you're on the team of the person that you like more? This is tough because the thing is, is that when it comes to Rory, I wanted her and Jess together so desperately in the early seasons. But given where her character development goes, she and Logan are perfect for each other. I think that they actually really belong together. For where Jess and Rory were in their lives when they were together, I would have loved to see it work out. I am team Jess, despite the fact that I think she and Logan should end up together, in my opinion. Um, I just love Jess for his character growth. I rooted for him a lot with Rory. The thing is, is that it kind of depends on what you define as your your team stance and what defines a team to you. But personally, for me, I do really like Logan. And I think Logan is probably the best suited for Rory. But I consider myself to be team Jess. I know that's a very complicated answer, but I think that there's room for both to be true. Okay, one last fuck, Mary kill. Ooh, this is going to be tough. Luke, Jess, Logan. Ugh. Actually, you know what? It's not hard. I'm going to fuck Logan. I'm going to marry Jess and I'm going to unalive Luke. Wow, that wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. So that is the last of the Gilmore Girls questions, but I completely forgot to address a bunch of you asked about Maisel, my experience on Maisel, how I feel about Maisel. Um, so let me go through those questions because I'm realizing that when I shared my experience working on Maisel in the fall, a lot of it was about my haircut, <laughs> but a lot of it was also kind of like, I don't know how much I can say about this. But now that the episodes have aired, I can kind of talk about it a little bit more freely, which is great. So what episode of Maisel are you in? The episode I'm in is the series finale, which is what I had kind of heard when I was on set, that this was the series finale. And then someone also asked which part of the episode I'm in. So if you're watching the finale, there is a traffic jam scene. And here was the really beautiful thing about the night that I shot there, which I'm sorry if I'm repeating some details I already gave you guys, but this was like, like eight months ago now at this point. So they actually filmed on my street, which was really cool in the Upper West Side. And basically they shut down like five blocks of Central Park West. And what they had a lot of us do was we were walking in pairs on the street. Rose and Abe are walking to go to Midge's show and they hit this huge traffic jam. What was really cool about the scene is that they did it in one shot. Amy was directing that night. Someone asked if I got a chance to talk to Amy on set. No, I did not. They said, did you breathe the same air? Technically, yes, but we were outside. So they did a single shot, which you know I think is so impressive on the show. On Maisel and Gilmore Girls, I love when they do continuous shots. So basically, 
Rose and Abe walk out of, I think what's supposed to be their apartment. They walked out of this church and they come down the side street and it opens them up into this flooded traffic jam. They had the most amazing cars and everybody was in this traffic jam, but it's one continuous shot. So it, like as they're running through the street, trying to get a cab, the camera literally panned through a car. They had cut out a section of a car. It was amazing. It was amazing to watch. I was on the completely opposite side of the street of where they were filming. So based on what I was observing while we were doing this one take of this shot over and over and over again, I was not going to be in the shot, which was, you know, I had accepted it. I was already pissed about my hair. Um, so it's just like, you know what, the experience was well worth it to me, which it was. I was just happy to have been a part of it because we were on the other side of the street as background, like they were kind of letting us go in and out as we pleased, like to the church, which was the holding space to get snacks, to go to the bathroom, get a sip of water, whatever. So I go in to get a snack. I come out. And the thing is, is that I had to walk past the crew in order to get out. And they were sitting there looking at the monitors of the camera. So I go out the front door instead of the side exit, which is where Rose and Abe would be starting. So I go out the front door which is directly in front of all of this traffic. And as I step outside, peanut M&Ms in hand, they go, background. That means background needs to start moving. I am not in the right spot at all whatsoever. So they say background. I just literally stand stoic because the camera's about to whip around the corner and I have no idea if I am in the shot. So as soon as I start seeing people around me moving, I start moving, I start walking, I'm walking by myself and I do a loop around and I kind of, you know, walk towards the direction of where I had originally been kind of walking, but I'm alone this time and definitely not where I'm supposed to be. And after they called cut, they said, we got it. And I was like, oh my God, did I just make it into this shot? And I did. That was the take they used. So in the traffic jam scene, you see them open everything up. And it's, again, one continuous shot. And there's a moment when Rose and Abe pause in the middle of the street because they're, like, contemplating what to do. And if you look closely in the background, I am in a mint green coat. And my hair looks very dark because at the time it was red and extremely short. And I'm wearing a little hat, a little blue hat. And um, you'll see me walk behind them, literally blink and you'll miss me. But like, you'll see me walk behind them through the crosswalk. And as the camera pans, they they run towards this bus. You can see me, I look like a little ant, but you can see me walking up the street. And that wouldn't have happened had I not gone inside and gotten some peanut M&Ms. So that was my experience working on Maisel. It was wonderful. I love that show. I thought it ended so beautifully. I've heard rumblings that Amy did not want to end the show this year. I don't know how true they are, but if that was not the plan and she had to pivot, I think she did a really beautiful job. So um, yeah, I'm excited to kind of watch it again. Brett and I have also been watching that show, or we were. He's been on a contract in Chicago for the last like seven weeks and he comes home. Uh, actually, when this airs, he'll be home, which is great. Um, so hopefully we can pick back up because we're still only in season three of Gilmore Girls and we just started scratching the surface of Maisel, but he loves Maisel. It's a fantastic show. If you guys haven't watched it, you totally should. It's just so lovely and so... Like, it just makes you feel good. Maybe it is in my top five. I, I'm I'm changing my mind on my comfort shows. <laughs> but anyway, thank you for joining me for my first AMA, for our first AMA on the pod. Haley will definitely do one at some point, I'm sure. And next week, uh, she'll be back. 
in full swing, hopefully with her full voice. And we can hear about her trip. She just got back from Italy to see her brother get married, which was really cool. We can hear about her COVID experience if she wants to share it with all of us, which I'm sure she will, but I don't know if she'll want to relive it. Um, and like I said, like I mentioned at the beginning of this, we're going to be doing an Independence Day, Independence Inn episode. And we'll have more to say on that next week. If you want more Gilmore to say, join us on Patreon where you can listen to our spoiler-full rewatch podcast, Gilmore Revisited, where we're currently watching season three. You can also join us for live watches, our community Discord page, and get monthly merch discounts to our old-fashioned merch shop at gilmoretosay.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Gilmore to Say Podcast, where you can stay up to date on all things Gilmore to Say.